1: This is Make
2: point.
1: Point. Make
0: M.I.P. with Massimella Mark, Mark Thompson. Make it Get woke,
1: ladies and gentlemen. We're honored to have with us a candidate running for the Pennsylvania State House. We've heard a lot of national politics about the uh, run for senator, people running for senator, but. As we've emphasized, these state races are also very important, and I hope we all learn that sooner rather than later, because when it comes to redistricting and preventing gerrymandering, we need people in these state houses. So one such person is running. We're happy to have her with us. She is running. And if she wins, she will be Pennsylvania's first openly trans state representative, as well as the first Latina state rep in the nation. Deja Alvarez joins us on Make It Plain. Deja, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm uh, very honored and humbled to be on your show.
1: Well, I'm, I'm honored that you're here. But we're no, excited. I'm... <laughs> well, wonderful. But you know, I got to pause for a minute because I was reading that, is that accurate? There's not a Latina state rep in the country?
2: No, no, no. I'll be the first trans Latina state rep in the country. Oh, trans Latina. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I will be the first in the Pennsylvania State House. I will be the first Latina woman and the first trans woman. And then nationally, I'll be the first trans Latina.
1: And she says she will be. Hear that optimism. That's right. We want to claim this victory.
2: (laughs) No, really? That's good. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's start then. How how is your race going? You, how many other opponents do you have?
2: So I have three as of right now, and the race is going well. The hardest part about running a race like this is is finances. It's money, right. because you know, as we see time and time again, people that tend to get into politics tend to have money. So it makes it difficult for someone like myself who doesn't have money and doesn't have as much access to it. Um, to run a, uh, you know, a, a real strong, formidable race.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell us about the the district you're running in. What part of Pennsylvania would you be representing?
2: So it's Center City, Philadelphia. It's the business center of Pennsylvania. It's the backbone as far as finances for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We bring in more revenue. It's a, in a, somewhat of an affluent district as well. But, but it it varies, you know, it's got a very diverse group.
1: And what are some of the issues to the voters in, in that area?
2: In this district folks here, one, of course, pandemic, you know, bouncing back from the pandemic. Economic recovery, um, because we are the business corridor. So many businesses have lost so much money, and so they want some help in being able to keep their doors open, get back on their feet. Um, as far as the the residents, they are they're worried about um they're worried about safety at this point, because as we all know, Philadelphia has been going through what most major cities have been going through. Um, every day on the news, there's two, three, four, five more shootings. The other day here, or the other evening here, a young woman in a grocery store bumped into a young man. She apologized to him. He was so frustrated that he followed her home and then shot at her, I believe it was eight times, just for bumping into him. Mm-hmm. And so people are are, you know, they're worried about their personal safety. They're Worried about their quality of life—that um, people talk about a lot, like quality of life issues, uh, safety, noise levels, all of that—to be comfortable in your own home for your kids that are going to school.
1: Yeah, um, it, obviously, uh, all of that is 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 very very important. W- tell us about you. What inspired you to run?
2: So. Center City is where I truly learned who I was. It's where I, you know, first learned how to survive on my own. And then I, you know, I went from surviving to thriving. And so, you know, I was somebody that was on the streets in Center City because in Center City, they have what's called the Gaperhood, which was supposed to be a safe area for all LGBTQIA folks, but back then it was not safe for trans folks. So that's the area where many of us learned how to survive. We learned how to make money so that we had a place to stay so that we could eat so that, you know, we could just literally, it was just survival mode for many years. And then this is also where I kind of had my moment, I guess, of advocacy, where it all started from years and years and years of police brutality false arrest being beat up being mentally emotionally and physically abused constantly not just by the police by society as a whole but with a real focus on the police department so one night i just had enough got into it with the police i sued one you know we came to an agreement for better training sensitivity training in in this very district in this area and that's where it kind of started for me because then i started you know, I found my voice and I was like, wait a minute, hold on, I need to fight for more than just right here in this area. And so my kind of advocacy and activism grew out from there. And then I also realized that while fighting for myself as a marginalized person, that there's all these other marginalized groups that you know, are also trying to fight for... We're all trying to fight for the same thing. We're all still trying to fight for equity and equality and all of these things. And so I just expanded my work out to start representing more communities.
1: You were a victim of police violence.
2: Oh, yes. For years. For years. Well-documented really? police violence, yes.
1: Wow. And... and- was that because of the area or the community in which you which you lived were they also targeting you um because of your gender identification too
2: it was based on gender identity that's what their attacks were wasn't based Mm. on the area it was based on gender identity pure and simple Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. um but but I'm I'm pleased to hear you sued them and you won. Yes.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Well that mm-hmm. that's yep. good to and, know. And
2: yeah, we came to an agreement where they would start doing back then, um, you know, sensitivity training for cops that were gonna be on duty in that neighborhood. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then I went from that to now I chair a committee that um, works with the police department and is kind of an oversight committee on LGBTQIA issues.
1: Is, is being on that committee and, and is is that committee's work making a difference?
2: Oh, that committee's work has made a lot of difference. I actually work on the committee with one of my biggest abusers who is still a police officer to this day. Uh, he, (laughs) yes, he was literally one of my biggest abusers for years, for years. My first day sitting around this table with these folks, as I started venturing into that type of work, I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, God, he's so familiar. And all of a sudden it hit me who he was. And I had also invited my best friend who had also experienced the same thing down there to come sit with me this one day to check out this committee that was being put together and she got up and left and she said, I can't do it. I can't sit across the table from him.
1: So if, if you don't mind, Deja, I mean, I don't want you to relive anything uncomfortable, but but I'm curious to know, what, what would he do? How would they a- approach you? What, how would they engage you that, that to bring all this about?
2: So it would vary because a lot of times they were on bikes. So they would just ride up on their bike. And if you didn't see them, they would ram right into you with their bike. Um, they would, you know, call you names all the time. They would call you, you know, misgender you, call you a man, call you, um, I don't know what language we're allowed to use on here, but, um, you know,
1: whatever language you you like. Oh yeah. They would literally just see you walking down the street. Yeah. This is just crazy. Mm -hmm. More MIP after this message.
0: Also asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save.
1: Okay, so you clearly you, you clearly have some training or some perspective of Martin Luther King in Nonviolence and forgiveness. How are you able to sit at a table with this with this person?
2: <laughs> I learned in this process that there are different paths to change. And one of those paths is by building relationships and kind of getting on the inside to help make change from the inside out. and like I said, at that point I had found my voice and I kind of found this new strength where I said, you know, yeah, I am who I am, I am trans, but that doesn't mean that I have to allow society or the police or anybody else to abuse me. And, you know, for me, I just, I, I found that working with these people, getting to know these people, building a relationship with these people it was an effective way to help create change. Like we've created a new directive now with the police department like a decade ago that laid out how the all officers have to engage with LGBTQ, particularly trans people, disciplinary actions that would be followed should they misgender someone or you know abuse them in some sort of way. We also built a pipeline, so to speak, when there was like a trans murder, if a trans woman was murdered, there was a direct line of communication. I would get a call from, say, the deputy commissioner or lieutenant or somebody. And then we would work on making sure that we identified the person correctly, um, making sure the family got notified, and also making sure that it got investigated properly. Then we had to work with media on making sure that media started identifying us correctly. Because for years, you know, we were murdered, but we were never identified correctly. So people see all these trans murders now in the news and they think that that just all of a sudden started happening. It's happened throughout history. It was just never recorded. It was never reported properly so that it could be recorded.
1: Uh, well, you shared with us your reaction upon seeing the, the police officer who abused you. What was his reaction when he saw you?
2: <laughs> there really was no reaction in the beginning when I did realize it was him, I, you know, I have to admit that like my whole body just felt this, whatever it was, go through me. And all I, you know, I just kept telling myself, okay, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. We're in the process of putting this thing together to make it work so that we can make change for the community that needs it. And so him and I slowly built up a rapport and then built up a relationship. And now he's somebody that, Calls when he runs across something, when he's out there patrolling and he's not sure how to handle something. Or during the holidays, he calls me and he's like, hey, my wife and I, you know, we have all these extra turkeys or we have bags of clothes, you know, where can we go donate them at? When I I started a food distribution program for undocumented immigrant folks during the pandemic. And so I was feeding up to a thousand families a week through the pandemic. And him and other officers would show up on the day that the big truck delivery was coming with the 10 giant pallets of food and they would help, you know, unload and load all those boxes. And, you know, that was over years, that was over, you know, close to a decade as we progressed to that point, but his views changed, he grew, right? Like in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, a lot of people had a view of trans people that they may not have today. Yeah. and.
1: And he yeah, just, did he, did he ever apologize to you?
2: No. No, we we never went through that process. We oh, never went nice. through that process. There was a couple times during like meetings and stuff when like the deputy commissioner or commissioner would be there and I would use him and I as as an example of, you know, the progress that we're making because I would say like listen, he was if not my single biggest abuser, one of them. And now here we are doing all this incredible work together. And that shows um, the progress and the work that we've been able to do as part of this committee. And I remember one time after it, um, one of the other people approached me and said, listen, you can't say stuff like that anymore. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean I can't say stuff like that anymore? And... um, I've grown emotionally and you know just matured a lot. so I like to think I have a good amount of emotional intelligence and so I don't respond to things right away. Sometimes I have to give it some time and take it in. And I waited a little while and I went back to the person and you know I was just like, hey, um, you know for you to ask me not to use that as an example, that is a real example of the work that we do on this committee. And for yeah. you to ask me as a victim of abuse, not to be able to use it. I'm using it in a positive way. I'm not attacking him. I'm not. And then they later came back to me and apologized. They said, oh, I should have never said that to you. But no, him and I have never had the discussion to actually have an apology, but we have done a lot of work. And um, he has shown a lot of growth and a lot more support for the community.
1: More MIP after this message. You know how politicians always say, they they pitch themselves as, as being able to work across the aisle. Even Joe <laughs> Biden says that. You, I want everybody to hear this. Deja, not only has worked across the aisle, she transformed her police abuser. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean, this is unsolicited campaign consultant right now. That's a commercial, Deja. <laughs> No, really that's a commercial that is an amazing story no.
2: thank you thank you i appreciate that you he, know, I think he sometimes
1: be, he needs to Go be ahead. on a commercial with you he needs there needs to be a commercial about how because at the end of the day all of the, the division that we have in our society can only be resolved through example like the ones you just shared okay uh I and agree. you could have said hell with it all I'm not working with these people i'm not going to be in this committee you could have turned the table over like G- jesus turned the table over you need not do that you were bigger than jesus so <laughs> you're more magnanimous so uh 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 i mean that's he needs to do he needs to do the commercial with you y'all need to get together in front of a camera and put that on your social media seriously i'm almost tempted to if you don't do it i'm almost tempted to come to philadelphia myself and do it for you but, but uh
2: no really that is a powerful story yeah, uh, I I I think just because it's just part of my lived experience and I talk about things so openly about everything that I've experienced that I guess I don't see it as, you know, as as deep as that. And, you know, when you said earlier, oh, you know how politicians are always talking about and I always tell people I am not a politician. That is not, that is not who I am, what I am, I was never born, raised, bred to be a politician. I didn't live that type of life that a lot of people traditionally think you have to be this, you know, of a certain background and and all of those things to become a politician. And it was, it, it took me some years of doing a lot of work like this. And for people would say to me, like, you should go into politics, you should run for office. I'd be like, are you kidding me? One, I openly talk about my past I talk about how I've had to do survival sex work. I talk about how I've battled with drugs. I talk about, you know, everything that I have faced, both as a child, you know, as a survival of sexual abuse and, you know, all of that stuff. And that's not something a politician does. And eventually I just kind of, I had this epiphany where I was like, wait, actually, that's why we are where we are today, because we have a bunch of people in office that are not honest about who they are, what they're into, what they've been through, and they don't have actual lived experience um, in order to know how to fight for everyone. Like if you've never had to face anything, if you've never had to um push back against abuse or being oppressed or being marginalized, how in the world are you? creating legislation and voting on legislation um that is representative of of those people
1: that's that that is a powerful story uh deja alvarez running the 182nd district in in pennsylvania folks for the state house the first um she would be the first trans latina in the pennsylvania state house and the first trans latina in any state house um for that matter um so Deja, let's pretend I'm a I'm a voter, just a regular everyday voter in the 182nd district. make your Make your pitch to me. What is it that you say to voters to get them to consider
2: voting for you? I tell folks to look at people's um, work. Look at the work that they've done. Everybody can get up and talk about. Yes, we need housing for all. Yes, we need to battle hunger. Yes. We need medical care for everyone, but who has actually been on the front line helping to make that happen? Who are the folks that are talking about it and who are the folks that have not only experienced it, lived through it, came through it, and then actually worked in the field to make those changes, to give people housing, to give people food, to help them get access to quality medical care. You know, not somebody that just talks about it. We have too many people that just talk about things. And they don't actually do them. While a lot of people want to see me as a super progressive, as one of those people that is just, everybody gets a house, everybody gets, you know, everything. And that's what we should be fighting for. I'm also pragmatic and realistic. And I know what it takes to be able to kind of move the needle forward so that we can get things done. If I walk into Harrisburg yelling and screaming and making a bunch of enemies, I'm never going to be able to do a single thing there. I know that you have to build relationships, nurture relationships, and be able to work with people in order to get things done. And I have the proven track record of doing it.
1: And the, if if I'm not mistaken, the incumbent um, in the seat of of Brian Sims, he's -hmm. no longer running, but is it true that he's endorsed you? Oh, yes. Wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful.
2: yes he has yep. um
1: uh, and i'm just reading up on the district it is a lot of businesses in the district but there are a lot of lgbtq businesses in the district aren't they mm-hmm. all yes. of them have signs up in all of them have your signs up in the window
2: not yet um i've had conversations with a lot of them and so we're we're going to move forward on that
1: okay i hope so you let me know if you need me to come see them
2: <laughs> absolutely
1: you should have had your signs up yesterday i don't want stay uh,
2: Uh, Yeah, well, so, you know, here's what happens in politics. So there is a gay white man running um, who worked for the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce or something. Um, You know, one of those people that just thinks they belong in politics. Like it's, it's almost like they're right. So a lot of people in the community are going, oh, well, wait, there's two people from the community Mm -hmm. running, so we have to be careful. And it's like, no, that's crap, because we're doing the same thing that everybody else does. Just because there's multiple Democrats running or multiple Republicans or multiple people of color running doesn't mean that you stay out of the race. It means that you take a look at who's actually been doing the work Mm -hmm. and you vote for the best candidate.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the best candidate isn't necessarily the one that can raise the most money.
1: That's true. That's true. But
2: that's the other part that we have to acknowledge. Like everyone always says, oh, how much money have you raised? Well, you know, because I know that that uh, that that guy, you know, it has raised a good amount of money. I'm like, well, yeah, but that guy also has access to about a million dollar a year salary. I work two and a half jobs while I'm campaigning.
1: Mm. Um what you all say to him though that if joe manchin can admit out loud that joe manchin if he can say that it's long overdue for a black woman to be on the supreme court then the, those in the community can say it is also long overdue for a trans latina to be in the state house so
2: Absolutely.
1: that that's what i would say to you about them. like i said if you if you don't feel comfortable say just give me some i'll call them give me their phone numbers and I'll say it to him. Oh, I'd
2: be happy to. No, <laughs> believe me, I would be more than happy to. I, I don't
1: live there. I don't have nothing to lose. I, I'll light him up. But uh uh you are—you are amazing. Some of
2: them need a good light up. Some of them light up. Need a good light up.
1: You, you are amazing. You said you work in two jobs. Yes. Goodness. OK, yeah. well. I
2: am the director of community engagement for the Philadelphia AIDS Consortium of World Health Care Infrastructures, mm-hmm. and I'm the LGBTQ care coordinator for the Department of Public Health. And I am also a trainer for the Transgender Training Institute.
1: Outstanding. You you are doing some amazing work. Anyway, you are already being of service. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm still your commercial still rolling around in my head. I, just, <laughs> I envision your commercial. You are already being of service. Uh, to those in the community um, Mm -hmm. and trying to be of greater service you have transformed the relationship between between the LGBTQ community and the police department Lord have mercy Um, so this is outstanding so I'm talking about commercials y'all it's unfair me talk about commercials you gotta have money to make commercials uh, you need some money, don't you? You don't. You don't. You not. Oh
2: yes, I need a lot of money. <laughs> so,
1: so that's so, uh, so I set that up. So, if you all agree with me that we need to help Deja out, and I mean, you know, TV is crazy. You don't spend a whole lot of money on TV. Do stuff online. Do stuff on yeah. social media. She needs to get these things yeah. produced. The primary is in May, right?
2: Yeah. So we are if we were to even be able to do a commercial, it definitely wouldn't be on TV. It would be on social media. But the big thing is also what we call mailers. So it's like those little postcards with your picture and what you're about getting those mailers out to the voters of the district of the 182nd district. I also want to make this point that a lot of people are like, well, I don't live in Pennsylvania or I don't live in Philadelphia or I don't live in your district. What you have to remember is as a state representative, not only does my just my visibility, my being at the table and in the room make a difference, but also I vote on statewide legislation. I don't just vote on things for the 182nd district. So I can have an effect on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania altogether, and that helps strengthen, you know, all of us.
1: And, and and folks, you don't have to live in Pennsylvania to give money. No. And when you get to the point of phone banking, um, you can make calls from anywhere. So tell people That's your website where they can go to be supportive uh, financially and otherwise, Deja.
2: DejaForPA.com. D-E-J-A-F-O-R-P-A.com.
1: Deja Alvarez, folks, running for the 182nd District in P-A. DejaForPA.com. Deja, you're amazing. We love you. We're gonna claim the victory. Congratulations congratulations just on running. Um and, and we you have a lot to offer. And I and I appreciate you. The people call me every day, Deja? I'm gonna run for U.S. Senate. No, you're not no oh, slow down. You're not really ready for that. <laughs> um, and it says a lot about <laughs> Deja ladder It says a lot about you.
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? want listen, folk wanna you know, we could have such a long conversation, Right, right? <laughs> And, you know, but,
1: but you got, and again, the state house is as important y'all, everybody's not going to be in the U S Senate. Everybody's not going to be in the white house, but you can yeah. right in the corner where you are. That's old spiritual. And they just trying to do it. This is the corner where she is 182nd. She's trying to do that. and I mean, who knows what can happen after that? They, right.
2: Yeah. Th- I mean, that's the other thing. It opens up doors for people, you know, everywhere that see that doors are opening for more marginalized communities. And you don't have to, if you are going to participate or you're interested in supporting or donating, you don't have to donate a lot. Heck, you know, people that have 5,000 followers, if you ask your followers to donate a dollar, that's five grand, that helps with one of the mailers, that helps with, because I have a campaign staff that basically is working for free because we don't have enough money to pay them. And it's just because they believe in the mission and they believe in what we're doing.
1: Yeah, well, I believe in you too. Deja thank, P-A.com. Deja, thank you for joining us on Make It Plain.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.